Praise God. That's good stuff, right? Amen. What a fun morning. I love birthday mornings. They're my, some of my favorites. Welcome, everybody. Great to see you. My name is Grant. I go with her. Not her. <laughs> I go with her. Raise your hands. There's no confusion. Thank you. Um, <laughs> really excited to be here, guys, with you. So today we got something fun. What we're going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to share why Bethel OKC exists. Why in the world the Lord called us to this place and what are we doing? And then Rachel's going to share with you guys where are we headed next, okay? So we're going to go back through at the very, very beginning. I'm going to try to explain the vision of the church from the Lord from the very beginning. So roll back to 2013, okay? Where were you 2013? What were you doing in 2013? That's what we want to remember. I was in Norman, Oklahoma. I, we had just, uh, at the time, 2012, 2013, I was a youth pastor of a church down in Norman. And I loved youth ministry. I loved getting to serve it with the youth. And I felt like youth, are the, they're going to change the world. They're the future. That's where everybody should be. And I loved it. And I thought for years, I thought that's where I would be the rest of my life. And then it was Halloween Eve. Uh, we were doing a big youth event at one of the kids' houses. We had a great time, super fun. I get in my car, I shut the door, and I have this overwhelming thought come over me. I don't like this anymore. And it was like, probably most of y'all are like, well, yeah, me neither. Like, <laughs> youth ministry. But I was like, I loved youth ministry. I lived for youth ministry. It's what I did. Um, but all of a sudden, it was this overwhelming, like, whoa, where did that thought come from? What in the world are you talking about? And it was like the Lord flipped the switch, just bam, time for a change. And I was like, what in the world are you talking about? Has anybody ever had that happen where it's just like, bam, the flip has, has switched. The switch has flipped. <laughs> and God says something new. So we start praying and seeking God and fasting and saying, God, what are we here? What are we on the earth to do? Why did you put us on the earth? And during that time frame, um, the Lord spoke to me this, this analogy, this picture. He gave it to me in my mind. And he said, Grant, um, the riches in the kingdom of heaven are like this. He said, whenever the potter makes a pot, he has in his mind exactly what he wants to craft as he's creating it. So sometimes the potter wants to create this big, gorgeous vase. So imagine there's this huge vase right here, and it's going to go in front of thousands of people. And there's going to be, you know, $100,000 of flowers inside of this vase. And it's going to be in front of so many people for this gorgeous ball. Sometimes the potter wants to make this, and he knows what he wants to make before he starts and it has its place in the kingdom of God. But other times, the potter, he loves sushi. I don't know if you knew this, but the potter loves sushi. And sometimes, he needs a soy sauce dish. It's plain, it's simple, it's tiny. But when he needs to enjoy his sushi, he needs a dish to enjoy it. And so he'll take a little bit of time and make a simple little dish. He said, the kingdom of God is like this. When the little dish looks at the big vase and says, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's how I'm supposed to be in the kingdom of God. I'm supposed to be in front of people. I'm supposed to hold all these different things and impress and wow all these different people. And so the soy sauce dish puts itself in the place of the big giant vase. And then all the flowers go inside of it and it's a total embarrassment. You see, the full pleasure of the potter is only in the vessel when it is doing what the potter envisioned it doing. The full pleasure of the potter is only in the vessel when it wholeheartedly embraces the dream of the potter for its life. So he said, 
Uh, it's like this. If, if, if an evangelist is supposed to see 100 million people come into the kingdom of God, and by the time that they get to heaven, they've seen 80 million people come to God. Wow, 80 million people. But in the eyes of the Lord, they only satisfied 80% of the dreams of the potter's heart. And then there's other people who are called by God to run a little business or be a, a school teacher or stay at home and love the kids. Maybe they never start a Bible study. They, maybe they never plant a church. Maybe they never lead millions of people to the Lord. But they embraced at an early age what God had put them on the earth to do. And they did it 100% in complete and total obedience the Lord said, which of the two will have more inheritance in the kingdom of heaven when they get there? It's a challenging thought, but I felt like he nailed it in my heart really clearly. Your rewards in the kingdom of heaven come from your obedience to the things that God told you to do. Amen? Your rewards in the kingdom of heaven come as a direct proportion to your obedience of what God put you on the earth to do. Not everybody is on the earth to be a pastor of a church or to be an evangelist or to do all of the great and mighty things in the kingdom of God. But your rewards are not connected to those things. It's connected to obedience. So I felt like the Lord began to speak that to me. I'm sorry, my nose is itching. So then I began to pray, God, okay, what are we on the earth to do? Like, I don't want to waste any more time. Why are we on the earth? And as we were seeking and praying and fasting, one day the Lord dropped it in Rachel's spirit. You're called to plant a church in Oklahoma City, and she told me, and I was like, uh-uh, not the Lord. <laughs> she was like, I know what God's saying, and I was like, no, you don't, that's wrong. So you'll see, this is our pattern fairly often. She'll hear, I'll be like, oh, you're wrong, tell me, and then he'll tell me, I'm like, dang it, she's right. <laughs> um, so I leave the house, I go on a walk that morning, I'm like, God, come on, tell me, and the Lord is like, bam, word of the Lord, that is me. I'm calling you to plant a church. And uh, we, we'll spare you a lot of the details. But shortly after that, we began to say, okay, God, we don't really want to. That's not really what we envisioned ourselves doing or where we thought we'd be for years to come. But if that's what you're saying, we will say yes. We will obey. And so then shortly after, we began to receive all of these prophetic words, just one after another, after another, after another, completely isolated and separate from each other. Nobody had a clue. We kept our mouths shut. And somebody walks up and just, I see this. And they just proclaim the word of the Lord, speaking of, of yes, this is God calling us to plant the church. So then we said, all right, we're going to go to Oklahoma City. We're going to plant a church. And at the time, we, we were dreaming of being on the north side. Maybe he's planting something up in Edmond. And as we started to pray and seek the Lord, I felt like, all right, this is going to be fast, okay? We've got to sell our house, we're going to move, we're going to start the church. Great. And the Lord says, well, that's fine, but you can't do anything until you sell your house. So six months later, <laughs> we literally do nothing for six months. We sit and we ask God for six months, what, what, why? Why are you putting this church into the earth? Why us? There's a thousand churches in every single corner around here. Why in the world are you doing this? And in that six-month time frame, it was like an incubator for us of God just putting things inside of us of what, excuse me, what he was dreaming of for the church. During that time, we, we really felt like the Lord said, hey, look, there's a lot of great stuff in Edmond, but I want to do something fresh in the spirit of God in southwest Oklahoma City. 
And, we, and I, told, I laughed. I just said, oh, well, you have to tell my wife because that's, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. Today, we love southwest Oklahoma City. At the time, it wasn't really the cool place to be, all right? And so um, I shared with my wife. She felt like, yes, confirmation from the Lord, and that was a miracle. I was like, okay, the Lord has spoken, southwest Oklahoma City. I start looking at the map, and I'm like, God, show me. Where in the world do you want this church to be? And I'm looking at the map. I know nothing about this area. I still live in Norman. I was upstairs in my bedroom. Norman. I'm looking at the map of the city and I feel like I see his finger point in this one specific pot in the middle of the southwest quadrant of Oklahoma City. So two, I-240 and then south uh, like three or four miles and then over on uh, I-35 to the west and over on 40 to the east, like right in the middle of the quadrant. And I was like, okay, sounds cool. I have no idea what's over there. I don't have a clue, anything about it. We start driving around, kind of scouting out the land, if you will. And as we're driving, this specific location is where I drove to because that's what I saw on the map. And guess what wasn't here? This building was not here. This was a giant field of emptiness. And I was like, well, there's literally nowhere to have a church here. Like, that shopping center won't let you do it. There's nothing over here. What the heck? I thought you pointed right here. And there's nothing here, okay? A few years later, a man who doesn't love the Lord obeyed the Lord and built this place. And here we are. Praise God. Anyway, um, so we, we, that was a fun piece of it. But then along the way, we're just praying, like, God, why? What's the point? What's the purpose? And he began to talk to us about the type of church that he wanted to have. And some of the things that he was talking to us about was a, a place where God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit each had an equal place in the house. Like the house of God, where all three of them were extremely comfortable to be a part. Too often the Holy Spirit has been kicked out of the church, and too often only Jesus is focused on or only God. And I just really felt like I want a place where all three of us are welcome in the building. Like, okay, check. And then a place where the angels surrounding the throne of God, who are messengers coming from him, being sent out on mission, we're welcome to come and do their job. So I was like, okay, great. We can, we can seek for that God. A place where his presence was thick and heavy, where worship, where he broke through, where he changed hearts. A place where encounters with God happened, and when you met with him, things changed, and then he points you on a different direction. A place of launching out, a place of healing and miracles. That's the type of church that we felt like he started, he said that he wanted. I saw this vision of, uh, I felt like he said, look, the typical church of America, it's like a triangle. And God speaks to the pastor, and the pastor's totally in charge, the one person, and then he filters what God says to the rest of the body, and it makes this nice little shape. And I felt like I saw him slap it on, on his head. And he said, that's fine, and that's good, and it's, it has its place, but for this church specifically, I want to flip it on its head. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the bedrock of the church. And then the pastor isn't one person, but it is a team of people who have linked arms together, wholeheartedly embracing the fivefold giftings that God put into people and fully understanding we have to have each other for this thing to happen. And linking arms, the word ministry, it means a slave, the one who serves the master. So the, the ministers being slaves to the voice of God, saying, yes, God, whatever you dream of, we say yes and amen, and then laying their lives down so that 
that other people could have a runway to take off in the kingdom of God. And I felt like he said, if you will provide a runway for people, if you will hear my voice and encourage them and launch them out, you're going to help advance the kingdom of God in a powerful and mighty way, and you won't be able to quantify it, you won't be able to contain it, but the kingdom of God will be running rampant throughout the city. Amen? And so I said, wow, that sounds awesome. And he spoke to us a lot of other pieces in that six-month window, but it was unbelievably clear what he was saying to us. One of the things that he's talked to us about was the four pillars. He said, this house has to have four pillars. He said, the foundation of the house is going to be God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So this is like the bedrock. And then there's going to be the five-fold team of people linking arms. And they lay down their life. They're the, the foundation, if you will, of the house. Okay? And then there's going to be four pillars that hold up the house. He said the first pillar is the pillar of love. He said everything in the church has to revolve around the pillar of love. Understanding who God says somebody is and seeing through all the sin and the junk and the nastiness and seeing prophetically what God has spoken and believing in that and encouraging the people in that. It has to revolve around love. Without love, everything crumbles. Everything falls to pieces. The second thing he said we have to do is it has to be a place of prayer and worship. He said it has to be a pillar. People have to understand anything that happens in this place happens because we took time to go to the one who is able to do all these things. We took time to pray and to seek in and to worship him like he is due, and then he shows up in power and does amazing things. He said that's the second pillar of the house. The next one was to create a place where we equip and release. He said the Church of America is really, really good at equipping people. We can equip the heck out of you until the day that you die. The church is so good at equipping people. And maybe even releasing you to become a Sunday school teacher or maybe a small group leader, but that's not what the Lord told us to do. He said it has to be a place where we equip people in the things of the kingdom of God and completely connected, we have to release people into the things that they're called to do. Not just inside the four walls of the church, but also wherever they're called to be in their life. Because your inheritance in the kingdom of God does not come from what you are doing serving inside the four walls of this church. Your inheritance in the kingdom of God comes as you learn who God put you on the earth to be, and we put a little fuel behind you, and we kick you in the butt and get you out there. That's where your inheritance in the kingdom of God is. And so we have to learn to release you. And then the last pillar was the rescue pillar. He said, I want you to always, always have before you this this passionate beat of my heart that I am out to rescue the people who are far from me. Yes, there are millions of churches every block around us. But there's millions of people not coming into the walls of the church because they don't want that religion. They don't feel like they need God and they're far and distant from God. So therefore, the church has to be a church that gets out consistently and pursues that rescue pillar trying to help people learn to love Jesus. And then everything else is up here. Then the church is right there. So that's the structure of the church that the Lord put together for us. So from day one, this has been with fear and trembling. Yes, God. I mean, like, I can't tell you how clearly this was laid out for us. And with 
like there was zero doubt. If we try to change this, we have gone against the word of the Lord. So from day one, fear and trembling, this has been the most important piece of what the church is all about. Love, prayer and worship, equipping and release and rescuing. And what's fascinating is as we did start meeting together, the Lord naturally on his own would walk us through seasons where it was only about love. And he was implanting in us how to be lovers of the Lord and lovers of other people, the way that he did. And then he would move us into a time of prayer and worship. So the way we started, we moved into our, our new house, finally sold the house, six months later, move in. And the, we're like, all right, let's start a service. And the Lord says, no, no, no. You clearly don't know how to plant churches. Here's what I want you to do to start this church. I want you to literally do nothing. And I was like, you might need to talk to somebody. About, like, I've been through church planting school, and that's not what they taught us at church planting school. Uh, that's not how you start churches. And he's like, hey, if you want to be the pastor and you want to be in charge and, you know, whatever, that's cool. You can be in charge. I'll probably come sometimes. You can run it how you want. But if I'm in charge, here's how you start. I want you to literally do nothing. Talk about death to self. Like talk about pride being crumpled into all the pieces, you know. We said, okay, God. Yes, sir. And then he, we got a phone call from a couple friends. I said, hey, we're supposed to join your church. We're like, you apparently don't know <laughs> what the Lord's doing here. But okay, great. The Lord says, just love them. Just love them like crazy. Have them over for dinner and just start having dinner together, learning to love people really well. So he naturally began to set up this love pillar. And then after several months, he'd say, okay, now it's time to pray and worship. And we started to pray and worship in our living room. And the presence of the Lord just crashed through in the most beautiful way with our tiny, tiny little group of like five people. And then after several months of that, the Lord says, okay, now it's time to begin equipping and releasing. And he started building this pillar. And he said, now it's time to go out and rescue. And then cyclically, he would go in these circles where, where he would lead us in seasons of love, prayer, worship, equip, release, and rescue. And I think we still have that happening. We're about to move into this rescue pillar again because it's been a while since we've been, we, we've been there. But this is a huge chunk of what God's called us to and where we came from. Um, the name Bethel. We'd been six months. We knew exactly what God was calling us to do and what he wanted for us, but we, he hadn't given us a name. And the whole time through, this idea about God's house or my house or something about house, the, the place of God, that was deep in my spirit, but I knew the name wasn't my house or house of God or anything like that. And so six months in, Rachel gets kind of fed up, and she says, God, you are calling this church something. What are you calling this church in heaven? And he says, you need to go Google what does Bethel mean? And so she goes and Googles, Bethel, what does Bethel mean? And she comes to me that day, and she goes, Grant, I got the name, I got the name, I got the name. I'm like, great, oh, I can't wait, because I've been waiting for six months. What's the name? She says, Bethel. And I was like, no, okay. All right, Lord, forget her. You can tell me now. You can tell me the real name. Obviously, the name is not Bethel. And I had some personal pride issues. We love Bethel Redding. We love Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, all those guys. And I just, I just, no, like not an option. So I go and I seek the Lord, and I'm like, oh, dear Lord Jesus, you can tell me the real name. And I'm praying, and the Lord, clear as day, he says, you need to look up in Hebrew, my house. And I was like, crap. <laughs> so 
look up in Hebrew, my house, and it's Bethel. And both of us had almost identical encounters when the Lord spoke these things to us. He said, look up what happened at Bethel in the Bible. Bethel is the house of God. And this is the place where Jacob had his dream and the heavens open. And there's a ladder from heaven. And the Father is at the top and the angels are ascending and descending. And they're bringing things from the throne of God. And in that moment, in that night, his whole life was changed. He had an encounter from the living God and everything changed and he went was going one direction and then bam met with God and now he's going a completely different direction with a completely different name stamped by God himself and it summed up everything he had spoken for six months of what he was dreaming of the church to do in southwest Oklahoma City so I said okay that feels awkward but okay Bethel is the name of the church and so for the last seven years we have been trying with everything inside of us to be unbelievably obedient to what the Lord has called us to, to pursue the things on his heart. There's been so many things that Rachel and I have dreamt of doing and have thought, hey, that's a great idea of how to plant a church. We should do this and we'll take it to the Lord. And he'll be like, "Mm -mm. you're welcome to take over if you want to, but that's not what I'm doing in this season. Okay, Lord, yes, we're sorry. We will keep doing what you're doing. And just step by step by step trying to obey the Lord in everything that we do. And for the first four years, I would say at least, it really felt like the Lord was creating the DNA. We, we would be like, God, why don't you grow this church? Come on, what are you doing? Like miracles are happening, salvations are happening, power of God is happening. Like this is what you want, so why aren't you growing the church? And he kept telling us over and over, because if I, if I flood the church with new people, it's going to change the DNA of what I want to do. And this is too precious. What I'm dreaming of, what I need in existence in this part of town is too precious to screw up. So if you want to go somewhere else, you can, but this is what I need. And so he kept saying, okay, God establish the DNA, establish the foundation, get it set right so that we don't screw it up and what you are dreaming of in a church can actually happen. And so we are excited because we feel that there's been a ton of work and time and effort trying to be obedient to tend to the word of the Lord. And he's been extremely faithful to do the things that he said to do. And as we move into this next season, we feel like, the DNA is established, the foundation is established, and he wants to take us to a new level, to a new place. So Rachel, come on up and talk to us about what's happening next with the church. I was thinking as you were wrapping up that I wish we had some kind of cool handshake like you have with Callie, so they... Our, our, she's in the kids, she's helping with babies. My uh, almost 10 year old turns 10 next week. They have this like 45 second handshake thing that's been, it's a whole thing. I'm gonna video it someday and show it to y'all. Uh, I wish I had that. That would have been like a great transition. But um, doesn't that sound amazing? Isn't that, I, ho I hope you're listening to that and like, wow, that's interesting. At the risk of sounding incredibly uh, out there, in this season, we actually, received the call to plant the church in 2012, and 2013 is when we finally moved here. And so to us, it's been a seven-year journey. For the life of Sunday mornings, it's been a six-year journey, which is what we're celebrating today. But around about two weeks after we moved here, when we were in that process of God saying, don't do anything, and literally people were calling us and Facebook messaging us and saying, I want to join your church, and we were like, this is the weirdest thing ever. 
And uh, Grant was off at uh, the Holy Starbucks um, spending time with God. If you know him, you know that if you can't find him, he'll be at a Starbucks. But it's not the same one, so that's the trick because uh, anyone in the metro is fair game. Um, I will never be found at a Starbucks, so if you're looking for me, don't go there. But uh, I was on my own spending time with the Lord. He was at Starbucks spending time with the Lord, and we, when we were talking that night, I said, I've got to tell you something that God said to me today. And he goes, before you say that, I have to tell you something God said to me. And it was, and I'm not kidding, it was literally the exact same phrase word for word. And we both had like, <laughs> like type feeling, you know, it was so weird. And if you know us personally, and those of you guys that know us well can attest, we are as far opposites as you can get. So when we are in sync, it is a holy moment. And that's how we know it's the Lord. So anyways, what, what God said was, you're not the first people I've asked to do something like this, and you might not be the last. And uh, talk about a sobering moment with dad, right? Like, oh, thanks. And it was such a holy moment, such a fear of God thing for us to realize that God had spoken the same thing to both of us to be able to look at this vision and say, this is precious. And it might not fit every person that's out there. It might not be what everybody is looking for. And that's okay. Our job is to say yes to God. Amen. And it goes back to the Potter example that he was sharing just in that we are all, all God's asking of you is to be obedient to what he's asking of you. He's not asking you to go be somebody else. He's just asking you to say yes to him. So uh, I get the privilege and honor of talking about where we're going. This is a little bit about where we've come from and now where we're going. And if you've been in our church this year, you know that our word for the year, do you guys remember what our prophetic word for 2020 is? Abundance. So uh, like literally from May of last year, God was just hammering me. This is the goal for Bethel 2020 is everybody walking in true abundance everybody walking in true abundance. And I was like, okay, the, the John 10, 10 life. What, what's interesting about this is that in the Jewish culture, when Jesus said, have a life and have it to the full, or in other translations, have life and have a life that's better than everyone else's, that was the connotation. The Jesus's release of evangelism was actually evangelism by jealousy. It's kind of what it boils down to. I mean, God was saying, I want your life to be so great that other people have to stop you and say, what are you doing? You ever see somebody with like glowing skin and all the men are like, never, I would never do this. But sometimes we girls are like, what are you doing? This is working for you. You know, give me the tips. That's what Jesus is looking for, that our life would be so full of God that other people are just are going, what People that know you know the issues that you've gone through, and they're able to say, how are you walking through that? That's what God is looking for for us. And part of abundance is the overflow, right? It's not just so that we become great people. It's in the same vein as Abraham in Genesis that we become blessed so that we can become a blessing to others. We get filled with abundance so that we have something to give to other people. Amen? And so um, in the last several months, uh, we, you know, we spend a lot of time, as Grant has just shared the whole story, we actually personally spend quite a bit of time looking over this sort of blueprint and coming back to it and asking the Lord, is there anything like a chiropractor, anything that needs to be adjusted, right? Are we out of sync in any one of these places? Because we know when we stand before God, this is what we're answering to. You don't have to answer for that, but we do, right? And so it's important to treat that um, big. And, and so we feel very confident that we have established the first three pillars, and we don't feel very confident that we've truly established the rescue pillar. And I can say that to you with honesty, 
with vulnerability. And uh, in this same season when God was giving this vision, I don't share this a whole lot, but, but I had an encounter with the Lord that kind of wrecked me. It was interesting. I was at a women's conference and just worshiping. And as I was worshiping, the Lord kind of took me into what I'm just going to say was a vision. And uh, it was like there was a battlefield happening on this piece of land. And there was a big tent, sort of medieval style, if you've seen movies like that. There was a big tent right off the side of the battlefield. And in it was this big, long wooden table and all these people who were bustling around doing things. And they were all related to strategizing and getting ready for, you know, helping with the battle. And I walked in, and, and, and Jesus was standing there, and he ushered me over to this big rectangular table, and he pulled out this piece of paper, and he unfurled it over the table. It was a big, long map, like, like huge. And as I looked at it, it was completely blank. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And Jesus begins to talk to me, and, and I'm looking at the map, and out of the map grows this lighthouse out of one particular spot. And as the lighthouse grew, I began to understand the map was Oklahoma City, is similar to what Grant was talking about. And this one lighthouse grew out of this section that we're in, and then multiple other lighthouses started growing. And as they grew, I began to see people coming to the lighthouse. And when they came, some of them had hunchbacks, some of them had like literal ball and chain around their legs, some of them had uh, missing limbs. They were just broken, broken people. And as they came to the lighthouse, they actually went through the lighthouse somehow and came out the other side completely whole. Everything that was wrong was made right. And then they went out and gathered more people. And it was like this map begins to become this swirl of people. And while it's still moving, Jesus rolled it up and handed it to me and said, you've got work to do. I was like, okay. (laughs) And I was a little undone after that for quite some time. And I believe that what we've been living the last six, seven years is the prophetic picture of that map. We've had a lot of different words over our church about growth and stuff like that. And it's been interesting when God gives you a word that doesn't happen, right? So you have to say, what is this word? Is this really from the Lord? And I think we're at maybe nine different strong prophetic words about our church exploding in growth. And I say that to you as someone who's perplexed beyond belief about those words because we've been very small for a long time. And we actually like being small. There's a lot of advantage to that. But what's interesting is you sit there and you say, so what are these words for? And I asked, I mean, I was talking to the Lord one day. This was about two years ago about the church. And we were praying for growth and all the things that pastors do. And God said to me, hold on, Rachel. He said, "Um, so what would you do if tomorrow a thousand people showed up at your church? And I was like, oh, First of all, they wouldn't fit, so that would be a whole logistical fun thing. And I said, I don't know, Lord, what would you do? Because, again, it's not our church. And he said, well, and he showed me this picture of the four pillars becoming a tunnel. And it was like different sections of color through a tunnel, right? It was love. The next section was prayer and worship, then equipping and releasing, and then God's radical heart for rescue. And in the picture, the tunnel became the hole in the bottom of the lighthouse from the vision I had had several years before. And I was undone, and I realized, God, no matter how many people are in this room, that's not up to us, and and we're not going to lose sleep over that. No matter how many people are in the room, this is the goal that every person, and this is why we say this, receives the kind of personal transformation that leads to cultural transformation. That each and every one of you that are in this room, if you've never come here before, if you're new to the Lord, if you haven't talked to God in a long time, our prayer for you is that you start with receiving the love of God. It is so abundant for you. It will blow you away. One touch of his love is like the best high you can experience that will change your life, and yet he gets to keep giving it to you every single day. 
And after you begin to come familiar with his love, then you begin to learn how to interact with him, which is what prayer and worship is. And then you get to be taught about who you are and go out and do that. And then all of this leads to his radical heart to go out and rescue others. Amen? And so what I know to be true is that this season of our time and what we're going to spend the next four months, maybe the whole next year, I'm not entirely sure yet. He's only shown me the first page. I haven't seen the rest of the whole document. You know what I mean? Um, is that we're going to establish, we're going to put everything we have into establishing the rescue pillar of our body. And so there's a couple of things that we're doing with that. The first one is uh, we made these shirts, and everybody here is going to get one. So when you leave, there's tons of them out there. You can grab your size. Cody will be out there to help you. This is a tiger in case you can't tell. I know everybody's like, but the lion is the picture of God. And yeah, okay, the lion is a picture of, right, he's the lion of Judah. I get that. But the tiger has something to offer in the world too, right? So the lion is freaking asleep for like 19 hours a day, but the tiger goes out on mission. Am I, are you tracking with everybody? Nobody's going out to get a tiger tattoo after this. It's fine. But here's the thing. I felt like the Lord was saying to me, this is the season to be bold. And I was just praying about what does boldness look like? And I heard the Lord say, you know that phrase, fortune favors the bold. And I heard the Lord say, Rachel, revival favors the bold. And that's why we made a t-shirt of it. Because the thing is that in this season, what I know is that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what your giftings are. If you will open your mouth, God will use you. I know that to be true, and I'm not an evangelist. You guys have heard my stories. Go back a couple weeks on our podcast. I told some amazingly embarrassing ones about how I share the gospel. It's not pretty, okay? I'm not the one who's reaping in the big harvest, and I'm okay with that. But that doesn't absolve me from obligation to share. Amen? It do, and so here's what I want us to do. I want us to change the idea of cold turkey evangelism because I think a lot of us have PTSD with that. <laughs> Is it just me? No? Thank you, two of you. Uh, a lot of us have this kind of like cold turkey evangelism, you know, when you walk up to somebody and say, if you die tonight, would you go to hell? Would you go to heaven? You know, and some of you guys are wired for that and we bless you and high five you, but others of us are like not. And you even try to say the words and then your face just does this like, and then the person is going, what is happening? And that's what it's like when I share the gospel. And so what I realized is that the gospel is introducing people to my dad. Now, I could tell you a story about my, my earthly dad, my dad. I, mean, I don't even want to say my real dad because God is also my real dad. So but let me tell you about my bald dad. My dad is bald. He's been bald my whole life. So my bald dad, I really apologize. I'm sure he's going to listen to this soon. I'm sorry, dad. Um, but he was a doctor. He's retired now. He's a physician. Uh, he loves to bicycle. Uh, he is a super generous gift giver. He's the kind of guy that listens to what you say and then picks up cues and then blesses you with a gift that's like exactly what you were hoping for. Um, that's my dad. And you guys should literally all meet him. Some of you guys may have met him in, in Father's Day. And what I just did for you was evangelize. That's what it's like. Who's your dad like? That dad, not your earthly dad. And how do you tell people about him? I was in a conversation with a neighbor, and uh, she was driving by, stopped in the street to say hi, and then eventually just said to me, could I just pull in the driveway? I'm like, come on. I'm dripping in sweat, hands dirty, because I do garden now. I'm not good at it, but I still do it. And, um, <laughs> and we had this 30-minute long conversation, and in the conversation, the topic of death came up. We were talking about grandparents, and I was sharing about how my grandparents are in there. My grandpa's 91, and he's lived this amazing life. He's not afraid to die. He was a pastor, and I just was sharing with her about this, and the look on her face, it was like God spoke something to her. And I was paying attention, so I went with it. 
You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm not asking you to be bold and go up to every person you know and say, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am. I really don't want you to go to hell. Come with me to church. If you want to, okay. But what I'm asking you to do is pay attention to the moments. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. But what I think is important in this season is to recognize that if what we're doing as a body is, is bringing revival to people, then that includes every person that calls this church their home. And dare I say, it does include every believer in Oklahoma. Is that okay for me to say that? So even if you walk out and you're like, I'm not doing that, it still applies to you. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm not sorry kind of thing. Um, but here's the thing. We are going to be really actively working on establishing the rescue pillar. And I'm, I'm sort of unapologetically asking you to go on this journey with us. So here's what the journey is going to be. Um, we mentioned last week I've been doing this study, deep dive study on the book of Revelation. And so not next week, but the week after, we're going to start a three-week series. It's going to be brief. I'm telling you there's a lot that's not going to be covered in this three-week series. But we're going to do a three-week series on the book of Revelation, which I believe is incredibly fundamental and foundational for us to understand what Jesus is asking of us in the midst of all the shaking that we're going through. And here's the thing. In Matthew 24, the disciples are asking Jesus, tell us about the end. When is the end going to come? And Jesus begins to give them eight different signs of what's going to happen. But then he says this. They're like, well, when is it going to be over? And Jesus' response is, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations, then the end will come. Do you guys know this scripture? There's two things about that we need to note for today. Number one, it's not just the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of the kingdom, which is different, right? It's the gospel of relationship. It's the gospel of the kingdom of heaven now at hand for you. It's the gospel of what's going on in your physical body, like we talked about this morning. What's going on in your life? You need a word. Whatever it is, it's the gospel of the kingdom available now. And when that is preached to all nations, here's why Jesus said that. The thing that you can be focused on is what you can have control over. We're actually not called as believers to know exactly when the end is going to come. What we're called to do is stay focused to the command we've been given to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And I believe if we're going to be in line with the Lord in this season, we have to adopt that at some level. For some of us, that's full on your whole calling in life. For others, it's pick one person and by the end of 2020, share with them. It's, I'm talking about, it doesn't matter how great it is, right? We're going back to what Grant was talking about a minute ago. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. So what I feel like the Lord is saying, and, and we're going to actually unpack this through our series on Revelation, is that our job is to stay focused through the shaking that's happening around us. When people begin to preach the end times, you guys know what I'm talking about, the end times gospel, right? It's happening. Look at all the signs. When we begin to focus on the end times, we actually lose sight of the message of the gospel. It's really hard to preach both simultaneously. So if we go back to the word and we look at what is Jesus asking us to do, he's asking us to preach the gospel of his kingdom. If we're, if we're eliminating the idea of cold turkey evangelism, then the gospel of his kingdom is introducing people to your God. It's drawing them into the relationship that you are forming with the Lord. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be weird. So revival, our revival, the Oklahoma revival, the Oklahoma City revival, the pick-your-own-neighborhood revival, it's going to happen because God is riding on the wings of our boldness. Amen? Thank you. Here's the thing. I am a little bit nervous as well, okay? I'm a transparent person. You guys know that. So I'm not standing up here saying, oh, <laughs> wow, 
I'm going to pick a different word. I'm not standing up here saying, oh, you guys, you know, it's so sad that you feel like you can't share the gospel. I'm up here standing alongside of you going, this is not easy for me. It's not comfortable for me. But I have an obligation to my king. Amen? So there's two things I want to tell you about that we're doing. And what we're going to do is to wrap up is we're actually going to pray um, for a couple of things. Uh, And before I say that... um, in the lobby, we've got shirts for everybody. We also have some leftover books from our Vision Sunday from January. So there's a book table out there. It's entirely free. We just ask you take one per person. Um, but if you want, I, my book is out there. There's a book on finances that's impeccable that's out there. There's two other books, Christ the Healer, uh, that is amazing healing theology. And another one is um, Wendy Backlund's Living from the Unseen Realm. Incredible book. So anyways, grab those. If you don't have them already, please just take them. You can grab a shirt. Okay, back on track. We're doing two things. The first one, in, in light of how we are embracing the uh, rescue pillar, is we have hired uh, our dear Macoby Donaldson in a new role. Um, he's done a lot of different roles with us in the church over the last several years. But we've hired him in a new role to be our sort of director of evangelism. And so this role is actually a support-based role. So what he's doing, he just spent six months getting trained by Reinhard Bonnke's ministry on, on all the ins and outs of preaching the gospel. And what we believe is that God is positioning him, especially in our body and in several other churches around, to help churches move into the season of reaping the harvest that God has set before us. Amen. And so we're getting behind him on that. And and what he's doing is they're actually, um, we'll give him time to share later, but he's actually going to be raising support so that he can be fully focused on this mission. So our church, Bethel, is processing all of his support. So one of the things I want to ask you guys to do is, and we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with this ministry. And so what that looks like is an additional monthly donation you can make to Bethel. You can, uh, it is tax deductible for you, and it will go to pay for his salary so that his focus can be 100% on equipping the saints to preach the gospel and then going out and reaping the harvest because the grace of God for evangelism is heavy on his life. If you know him, then you know that. And the other thing that we're doing with that is that we're having him start a small group in a couple of weeks. He's about to go on a trip to Africa in September. So when he gets back from that, we're going to do a five to six week evangelism group and it'll be a a equipping time on the front end and then actually going out and sharing the gospel so if you're terrified or you're excited both of you can apply and not apply you can show up to this group it's going to fit for both of you guys and I say all this to say we're really really serious about launching into God's radical heart for rescue I want to tell you each and every one of you there is nothing more exciting and exhilarating than seeing someone come to know God because you opened your mouth to share with them it's an unbelievable experience that everybody should have at least once in their life. And this is the time for that. So, okay, that's a lot. Here's what we're going to do. We're landing the plane. Oh, I'm so weird right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Raining it in. The last couple of weeks, I, my like weird side has been coming out. I got to stuff that back in there. Um, so we're going to pray for Makobe. I want us to pray sort of a commissioning blessing over him. And then we're going to pray uh, actually over our city. Um, I, I've I myself, I know he has as well, Grant, a lot of us have been sort of immersed from the Lord right now with the truth that this is the harvest time. And there's a principle in the kingdom of God that it's always harvest time in the kingdom, right? That God is actually always ready to reap a harvest. 
But more than ever, this is harvest time for us as a church. And so if you know anyone, as we're praying, I want you to just open your heart. If you know someone that God puts on your heart, be willing to reach out to them and say, hey, want to come to church with me? Hey, if not, let me just tell you about something cool God did in my life, okay? Um, let me tell you one other thing, and then we're going to, you can come on up, McCoby. So as we've been talking about what does it look like to steward a harvest well, he and I have been in conversation about this for several months, actually. And what I realized was what we're not hoping for is a bunch of people who have prayed a sinner's prayer that literally nothing changes in their life, right? What we're looking for is people who have said yes to Jesus and come into a relationship with him. And we know that the onus on that is is on us to do that. And I'm saying us as a leadership team. So what we've been doing is we're actually creating a three-part series. It's called the Life with Jesus series. And part one is going to be available next week, which I'm really excited about. There are three booklets. The first one is Grow. The second one is Know. The third one is Sow. And the Grow booklet is going to be available in the next week. And it is a, a literal introduction into relationship with God. And so this is going to be a book form that we can that you can hand out to people. It's free for you to do that. It's also going to be a podcast so people can listen Listen to it like a free audiobook, and then it is also going to be a YouTube series where people can watch it. Literally, we want no excuses for people who have said yes to Jesus to not get a baseline understanding. The, the no book, the second one, is all the how-tos, how to hear God, how to read the Bible, what is the Bible, how to have a relationship. It's, it's very in, um, beginner level in-depth for that. And then the third book is how do you become an investable person? How do you become into your calling with the Lord? I cannot, I'm so excited about this series. I think it's going to be something that you guys can use as you're furthering that as well, okay? So, woo. Got to focus myself to pray. Um... Okay, we're going to pray for him. And what I want you to do is partner with us in praying, really like a commissioning blessing. What God is positioning Makobi to do some incredible things in our city, and he's not going to do it alone. So I don't want anybody up here to think, oh, it's just him. We're all partnering with him, but we're, we're uh, sort of appointing him this morning in this new role. And then again, we're going to pray for those who don't know Jesus afterwards. And if there's anybody in this room that has not met Jesus, today is the best day for you to do that. And it might be a day where you need to say, I thought I knew who God was, but now I'm realizing he's something better than I thought. And that's a, an, an amazing thing. So if you're here and you're like, I need to meet this God, don't leave before you get some prayer. Come find me, come find Makobi, and uh, we'd love to pray with you and kind of introduce you to our dad because he's super cool. All right. Uh, if you want to come, are you okay with people gathering around you? If you want to come up here, you can lay hands on him or you can stay where you are and just extend your hand. So for those of you guys that are, are praying, just think, what would I want somebody to pray for me if I was doing the job everybody that's a Christian hates? Is that too much? What would I want prayer for, okay?
there would be a magnet for people coming to know you through his life, through his mouth, through his boldness, through his faith, through his passion for you. Let there be a tremendous wave of people coming to know you because of his obedience in you. Father, we thank you that you've called him to a life of full-time evangelism, full-time ministering the gospel. We thank you for it, God. We count it as a precious gift and a treasure to know him and to be around him. We pray blessings over the calling on his life in Jesus' name. Father, I'm asking that all the finances that are needed to pay the bills, to take care of his family so that he can focus on the gospel 100% of the time. Let the finances flow very easily. Let it flow quickly. Father, we're asking that everywhere he goes, every trip, every time he goes out to change the kingdom of God, things would happen, miracles would happen, healing would happen, salvation would happen. Father, we bless his trip to Africa. We bless the small group that's happening. We bless his plans in Oklahoma City. We bless all of the future trips coming down the pipe. We bless them, we bless them, we bless them, and we release the anointing and the powerful might of heaven all over him. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to invest into his ministry, you can do one-time gifts or monthly gifts on our website. Uh, in our regular online giving, you can click McCoby Donaldson there, and it goes straight to him for that. Um, let's take a moment to pray. Just over this season, What I, I want us to just contend. I want us to be contending. I want us to be carrying the, the heart that God has for his people that don't know him, okay? Imagine how difficult, just think for a second how difficult it is for all of us to navigate the shaking of the nation. And for those of you that have a strong relationship with God, that becomes the, the stabilizer. For those that don't have that, this is not a good time to be alive. It's a very uncertain time. So we actually have that hope. So just join with me and let's just start praying for those that don't know Jesus for those that are on a journey of maybe walking away from the Lord that need to come back into relationship with them. Father, we thank you that your heart is always ready to reap a harvest of our hearts. Lord, we thank you that in Oklahoma, you are ready to see a revival, that this is the time for us to step out in boldness, to watch you use your people to do something extravagant in loving, in love towards others. Lord, we're asking for those who don't know Jesus. I'm praying right now that you put them on our minds. Lord, that you would put people, names on our minds right now that we can invest in and begin to share with. Lord, I'm asking that you would um, put out the beacon call to those who are searching for churches, Lord, that not only our church, but the other churches that are, are, are bringing your kingdom, Lord, that they would be, um, their names would be on the minds of those who don't know you. Lord, we pray, let this be the time of harvest. Let this be the time of seeing this rescue pillar truly be established, not efforts that are in and vain, but efforts that actually yield results. We just declare this to be a season of fruitfulness. I declare over every single person in this room, this is a season of fruitfulness in your life. There is something that you have to offer that will be an overflow to other people. I pray that your spirit would come alive to the living God, that you would be listening to him and partnering with him and rescuing other people from the destination to darkness would become the, the greatest consuming thought of your heart. Lord, we just say, use us how you want to. We'll be like coins in your pocket. You can spend us any way that you want, Lord. And on this journey that we're going on, Father, we just declare this to be a season of salvation, of people coming into the, uh, not just the knowledge of you, but the, the love of God, the relationship, the dynamicness in that. We love you, Lord. We say, yes, Holy Spirit, come like a fire. 
release your tigers in this time. And we just thank you for the revival that's coming, the revival that's here, the revival that we are carrying out into our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. I bless every single one of you guys to be filled with the love of God like you have never known. Be watching for it because it is going to happen. You guys excited? If you're not, it's okay. Just come hang out with me a little bit and I'll get you excited. Uh, We're so glad to have you guys here with us this morning. Grab a t-shirt, grab a book on your way out. There's probably going to be some more cotton candy because who doesn't love sugar? And um, we'll see you next week.